Good morning. It is such a, an honor to be here again. I have learned over the years that uh, uh, when I left the ministry and became president of a seminary, um, I was invited a lot of places once. <laughs> and, and every now and then, twice. But I'm not sure it's ever been three times. So again, uh, your pastor either has a short list or uh, he's very trusting or whatever he is. Uh, I like him. And I appreciate him asking uh, me to come and be here today. It's such a, such a joy. And as I looked over the crowd, I need to explain why I'm wearing a tie. Uh, I, I do that a lot these days. But the reason is, I'm wearing a Christmas present. And, uh, you know, you can only wear it once a year unless you go to a place where no one knows you and they don't uh, pay your salary. And so so that's why I'm wearing a tie today is because it's a, it's a Christmas present that my wife gave me. And um, so I, I'm doing it in her honor. She can't be here. So anyway, uh, but thank you for letting me be here today. I, uh, I want to say thank you to your church. Uh, again, you know your church, and, uh, but I know about your church. And I know uh, from our experience of being a part of the partnership that makes up the Northwest Baptist Convention uh, that your church is among those that lead our convention, your your pastor was our president for two years, uh, but I had the uh, uh, the lady who uh, who runs our business office. I asked her. I said, "Well, tell me what Meadowbrook Church, uh, how they are a part of the mission work that we are doing around the world. We do that in a number of ways through what what we have called since 1925 a cooperative program. It's not a program; it's a way we work together in getting funds to send missionaries both here in our country and. Uh, all around the world, and through uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is an offering we take for 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 foreign missions and the home mission offering, you you participate in that. But I was I was curious. I said, I, I wonder, I wonder how they're doing with that. And I was uh, pleasantly shocked and surprised in that, looking at four years, this church has more than doubled what it has done in mission work around the world in these four years. So thank you for being a part of that. And thank you for being an example for all of us uh, here in the Northwest as we try to just do what Jesus asked us to do, and that is take the gospel to the world. So thank you for being such a wonderful partner uh, with us in the Northwest Baptist Convention. Uh, well, Christmas is over, good or bad, it's over. And we have one more day and a new year. It's always an interesting time when, uh, when you come to that stage uh, in, in your life. Um, as we think about 2012, some people will spend some time looking in the past, what happened in 2012. And it may be good, it may not be good, but again, we can look back. Uh, others of us may want to sort of look at where we are right now, at this particular day, look in the present. But what I'd like to I, what I'd like for us to do today is to think about the future, is to think about tomorrow and the year that's coming. Um, and as we look at it, there are many ways we could look at it. Some of us could look at it and we could be uh, unsettled and afraid. Others could be excited because it is a new year. Uh, but I want to look at the life of a man who uh, 
never stopped looking to the future. And he was asked to do something about the future that you may be asked to do and I may be asked to do as well. If, uh, if you brought your Bibles, and I assume you did, you might turn to First Chronicles. We're going to look not at the whole 28-29, but at some verses in First Chronicles. And I want to talk a little bit about, about David, the king of Israel. He was the greatest king who ever lived, uh, the most successful king that ever lived uh, for God's people. Uh, and uh, he, uh, uh, he did things that uh, were, were, were things that pleased God and some things that didn't please God. But he was a great leader. And uh, he, uh, the passage I want to look at today, he was asked to do something about the future that uh, was different. It was not something he was accustomed to doing. Uh, David was a man who got things done. He did that as a boy. Uh, he did that as a young man. And he did that as king. But in these verses that I'm going to look at with you today, he was asked to do something about tomorrow. And uh, I want to uh, uh, sort of set the stage for what he did by uh, quoting uh, a philosopher who wrote many years ago a statement that sort of got my attention and it sort of sets the stage for what I want to share today. A.N. Whitehead was talking about what does it take to be a great person? What is the, what is the, the ultimate thing that marks greatness in a person's life? And here's what, here's what Whitehead said. The great man is he who plants trees he will never sit under. The great man is the person who plants trees that he will never sit under. Now, the fact is, most of us, when we do things, we want to see something happen. And we'd like to see it now. And we're not quite willing to put it off to a future time. But David did that. So I want just to, uh, to, I want to share with you some thoughts that I have about how I can be a great person in that I plant trees that I may never, ever sit under. What does it take to do that? Well, the first thing that it takes is you've got to begin with a God-sized, God-invoked dream. It has to be something that God wants you to do. It's not something you decided to do. It's not something that you planned on your own, but it is something that God wanted you to do. And so it was true with David. And to understand that, you need to go back to First Chronicles chapter 21 and uh, just reading uh, in, uh, in, in the first verse, actually. First uh, Chronicles chapter 21, here's what the scripture says. Satan, that's the devil. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, Go and count the Israelites from Bathsheba to Dan, then report back to me so that I may know how many there are. Uh, David uh, decides uh, he wants to feel good. He's been successful as a leader of the army. They've, uh, they've, they've, they've captured land, they've captured people, and he's feeling pretty good about that. And so he says to the, to, to the man who's in charge, he said, Go count our troops and tell me how many fighting men we have. Anything wrong with that? 
I think if you were asked President Obama how many troops do we have, he'd probably find out and, and know that. So was there anything wrong with that? Well, the thing that was wrong with that is that God didn't want it to be done. Why did God not want him to count the number of people? Because it was not how many troops David had, but it was who was on David's side, and it was God. And God did not want him to feel proud, did not want him to, to have an advanced image about himself, about the leader of these thousands of, of troops. And so he says to his general in charge, go count them, tell me how many there are. And Joab, uh, he knew what God had said. God said, don't do that. You don't need to do that. That's not necessary for, for you to know how many troops you have. But David said, do it. And so when the king says, do it, you do it. They did it. And they came back with a number. But God was not happy with that. Now, it wasn't that God had anything against the troops, but it was that God wanted David to know how he was successful. And he was successful not by the numbers that he had, but because God was working on his side. And so David is in trouble. In fact, uh, the preacher shows up in the Old Testament. They're called prophets. Uh, the, the preacher showed up and, uh, and let him know that God was unhappy with that. In fact, God was so unhappy with what David did that judgment was going to come upon the king. And uh, the prophet said that God's given you three choices, three things that, that are going to happen. It's not a choice of whether it's going to happen or not. But here are three things that, that could happen, and you get, to choose, you get to choose the judgment. He said, first of all, that there could be three years of famine. Folks are going to get hungry for three years. That so you could do that. Or you could be unsuccessful in your battles by three months. Or you could just let the sword of the Lord come upon you. Just so make your choice. Which of those do you want? Well, David chose the third one, and in the process of that, 70,000 of his men were killed. Now, he's in real trouble because he did something that God said, don't do it. You don't need to do it. It's not necessary. Don't do it. But David did it anyway, and judgment came, and that's where it was. And uh, uh, that judgment was so, was so bad that God finally called it off. And so he said to David, David, uh, I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. 70,000 is it. I'm not going to kill any more than that. And uh, what, what I want you to do is to find a place that you can build an altar and make a sacrifice to me. Well, David, realizing that he had sinned against God by counting the troops, decides that he will do that. And he finds a place. In fact, he finds a vineyard. And it looks like a great place for him to have this altar built and to have this sacrifice made. And so he says to the owner of that, I'd like to buy this. The owner said, Your Majesty, I'll be glad to give you this land. You don't have to pay for it. I'll be glad to give it to you. But David said in First Chronicles chapter 22, uh, in, in chapter 21, verse 24, David said, No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs you nothing. David said, I don't want a gift. I'll pay you for it. I want to buy it. And he did. And the man took the money, and David had the place that, uh, that, that where the altar would be built and where the sacrifice would be made. And he did that. He built the, offering, uh, the altar, and the sacrifice was made. And God answered, as he does in the Old Testament, by, by sending fire. And here's, here's, the, here's the heart of what happens in First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 1. When David had responded with the, the sacrifice, and God had answered that with fire, David said, 
the house of the Lord is to be here and also the altar of a burnt offering for Israel. Now here's what happens. David, because God has accepted the offering that has been made, David says God needs a place of worship. And the house of God will be built upon this land. This, this land that I bought is going to be the location for the, for, for the, for the place where God will be worshipped. That's a, that's a wonderful thing for David to, to do, to say. But here's what God said. God said, David, it's a good idea, and it will be built, but you're not going to do it because you're a man of battle. You're a man that goes out and kills folks, and that's not what I'm looking for. And so in the heart of David, there was a dream placed that a house where God could be worshipped would be built, would be built. And though David would not build it, David believed that it would be built, and it was his dream. And he began to live for the building of that of that of that place right then. So, if you're going to do something that is going to last, something that will endure, then it has to be it has to come from God. It has to be the result of a dream that comes from God. A great man desires to do a great thing for God, and David wants to do something great for God. And so the question is, has God said something to you? Has God asked you? Has God asked me to do something that would be honoring to him, would be pleasing to him, but something that though we may dream about it, and though we may sacrifice for it, and though we may want it to happen with all of our hearts, it won't happen as long as we live, but it'll happen someday in God's own time. So, if you're going to plant trees because God told you to, that you will never sit under, it has to start with God's dream. So the question is, as you face 2013, has God said anything to you yet? Or would you be willing for God to say something to you in 2013 that He wants you to do? that the result of it may not happen in 2013, but because it's what God asks you to do, it's something you can give your life to and something that will bring a victory, something that will bring the harvest later on. So that's the place it starts. It starts with a dream that God puts in our heart. I will tell you that from my ministry over the years, a long time, there have been days when I wasn't interested in that. I wanted, I wanted God to do what He could do today. I wanted to see some things grow right now. I want to see some things happen right now. But as I look back on life, as I look back upon the years that I've tried to serve God, I can see that God was at work in ways that I didn't even understand, that I didn't even know. God was planting trees. God was planting seed that would not bear fruit until years and years and years later but only because it was what he did. So, the first thing is, God's got to say something to you. So, if I were you, and I want to be like you, I will listen and say, God, what is it that would honor you? What is it that would please you that you want me to do? Regardless of whether it happens right now or happens later, God, I want that dream in my heart. So, that's the first thing. The second thing is, 
that if you're going to if you're going to plant trees that you will never sit under, then you've got to have some careful planning. Some careful planning. You'll find this in First Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verses two through three, and eleven and twelve. And uh, uh, let's let's look over to that to that passage, and let me just read uh, a little bit. Uh, here, here from from First Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verse two and three. Uh, David calls all the people together. Uh, he calls them together. This is years later. And he rises to his feet and he says, Listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, You're not to build a house for my name because you're a warrior and have shed blood. But then in verse 11 and 12, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its building, its store, its store rooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the King of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for dedicated things. David was not satisfied simply to have a dream. He began to do the things that would help that dream come to pass. In fact, if you read these, these chapters in, in First Chronicles about David, you will find that he draws the plans, he gathers gold, he gathers silver, he gathers, gathers precious jewels, he gathers everything that is needed. Now, he doesn't use it because God said, you're not going to do it. Somebody else is going to do it. But David drew the plans. He planned for what God was going to do. God gave David the plans for the fulfillment of, of this vision, this God-sized vision that he had given him. You'll notice if you, as you read that, if you do, that it's not just a house that he is building for God, but it is the house that he's building for God. It is the place where God will be worshipped by the people of God. And so, it requires some planning. Being asked to do some things that are not going to produce immediate results but are necessary for the dream to come true. And that's what David does. And that may be what 2013 is about for me and for you. It may be that our work in 2013 is to plan for what God says he wants to do. Even if it's somebody else who does it, then God, God wants us to have the plans to, to make the preparation, to do what's necessary that the dream can come true. I will tell you that, uh, uh, and some of you in, in the room know this and know, know, it, know it well, but while I've had the privilege of serving for the last five years as executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention, the fact was I knew that wasn't going to last forever uh, for a number of reasons. One is because my body is just like yours. It gets older every day, and it doesn't do as well as things it used to do. And I knew the day would come when I could no longer I could no longer work in this capacity, and that uh, it would uh, it would be necessary for someone else to step in. And so, uh, back in June, I uh, made an announcement to the executive board, and I said, uh, five years are up, and so at the end of 2012, um, I'm going to retire again. I retired from the seminary. I'm going to retire again. By the way, I, I will say this: my granddaughter. Um, uh, who uh, is in the Air Force. She is a captain in the Air Force um, and flies in the AWACS airplanes that Bowen built. And 
she does all the computer work that tells the pilots where to go and what to do and so forth. Anyway, uh, she's about 30 years old. But uh, when uh, when I retired from the seminary and then was elected to this position, uh, Nikki wrote me a note and she said, Papa, you may do a lot of things well, but you don't do retirement very well. <laughs> and she was with us a couple of weeks ago, and, and she was only affirming what she had said before, that I have not done, I've not done retirement very well. But the thing of it is, what I'm saying is this. What I've had to do is to prepare for something someone else is going to do, and they're going to do better, and they're going to do bigger, but they're going to do it because we've made plans for it to happen. So again, sometimes... Uh, planting trees, you're going to sit under calls for you to make plans for something that someone else will enjoy, that someone else will feel good about, that it will happen under them rather than under you. So, again, we need to make plans uh, if we're going to do it. The third thing that, that David did, if we're going to, if we're going to, uh, to uh, plant trees that we'll never sit under, it demands that we make a personal commitment and make sacrifice. So who was the leader of making these plans and making the sacrifice? Well, if you read the story, it was David himself. In fact, he, he describes how he accumulated what was needed, how he accumulated the wood, how he accumulated tons of gold and silver and precious jewels and, and everything that was there. He, he contributes to that dream, to the building of that dream that he would never see completed. He contributes to, to that by making personal sacrifice, by committing to it and making personal sacrifice. In First in Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6, verse 6, that then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. You see, whatever it is that God wants you to do in the dream that he has for you, beginning in 2013, whatever it is, if you make the plans and if you make the commitment and commit the sacrifice to it, it will have influence on someone else. It will have influence on, on, on those who are listening and those who are watching. They will be encouraged to be involved in what it is that God wants you to do. One of the interesting things that... Uh, uh, that uh, I've discovered as I've gotten older, uh, and particularly in this world when we all seem to be connected. Uh, um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, the whole thing. I don't know how to do it, but I'm, I'm, signed, up. <laughs> I'm signed up to do that. Um, and one of the interesting things that's happening these days, I'm getting notes from people that I have forgotten years ago. Kids who in church, I mean, these, these were little kids in church. Where, where I was their pastor, and uh, uh, but they they're grown now. In fact, some of them have their own grandkids now. That's how long that's been. Uh, and they are writing either through Facebook or email or something, and they're telling me about things that I said when they were children, or things that I did when they were children. I don't even remember that, but they do. So you see, when you're doing what God wants you to do, even though it's not what you might like to do, but God wants you to do it, and you have this dream, and you make these plans, and you make this commitment to it, it's not just about you. 
It's about what God is going to do through others that have been watching and listening and following you. So again, uh, the, the people do that with with with, uh, uh, with David. Um, when he led the way by making the sacrifice, they joined in and they wanted to be a part of that as well. So again, that's a good thing for 2013. If God gives you something that he wants to happen and he wants to do it through you, and you, and you have this dream, and you're committed to it. You make the plans for it. You make the sacrifice to see it happen. Uh, others are going to follow, and God is going to be honored by it. So, again, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's worth looking forward to 2013 to. But the fourth thing that is important, I think, in this planting trees that you'll never sit under is that it brings a magnificent victory. To the people of God. Look at First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced. Now, he's still living. Temple's not built. All the stuff is stored up. All the needs, all the plans have been made. Everything is in place. But a victory happens. What happens? Well, in uh, a verse that follows says David King died. Um, he 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 died without a stone being turned, without anything being built. David dies, and his son Solomon then becomes king. That was God's plan. And then in Second Chronicles chapter three verse one, here's what it says. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Aronai, the Jebusite, the place provided by David. You see, what God put in David's heart years ago, and what David committed his life to, to planning and providing and being committed to, all of that then is comes true under the under the kingship of Solomon, his son. It happened just the way God had planned for it to happen, in the place that God had chosen through David. It happened. So again, there is a there is a significant victory. If if God were to ask you and me to commit to something that uh, to plant a tree under whose shade we would never ever sit. If we would commit to that, God would see to it that it happened the way He wanted it to happen. It would come true. Now, uh, uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to illustrate this uh, and also close, so you'll be you'll be free to hear. You'll be, you'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> you know, anytime a preacher says finally, folks get, get happy. <laughs> this morning when I, when, when I was already in, uh, Sam and Donna, friend, came in. And uh, we've been friends way, way back. You can tell that by looking at both of us. <laughs> We're not youngsters anymore. Uh, but uh, I was talking. I was talking to Sam, uh, and uh, 
Um, and I told him, I said, Sam, I'm, I'm so glad to see you here today because, again, I plan to talk about you in the sermon. That bothered him a little bit because he, he wasn't sure. But what I wanted to say was good. I, I, wish, I wish I knew the figures to be sure. But years ago, when I knew Sam and Donna, God put it in their heart to go to different places with the gospel. And they began to go to Romania. I know that I know that one country they went to. That's not the only country they went to. They began to go to Romania. And preaching, and uh, I've, I've met scores of people who have come to Christ and who've been called into ministry and who come here to serve in Romanian churches. And they, and they go all the way back to the time when Sam and Donna began to go over to Romania to do that. Now, uh, and that's wonderful. Uh, and God has God has blessed that ministry, and God has blessed uh, Sam and Donna, and God has blessed their ministry here because of that. But I will tell you that what God started hasn't stopped, and will not stop, and it will be going on and on and on longer than any of us will be here. Trees were planted that will provide shade and provide fruit for years and years and years to come. Why? Because a couple were challenged by God with a dream. And they planted and committed to it and sacrificed for it. And God has blessed it beyond measure. So that's what I'm talking about. So... Is it bad if you thought in the 2013 that you would plant trees that you would never sit under? You shouldn't feel bad. If God told you to plant the tree, He will see to it that fruit is born in years and years to come. So, if God asks you to do something, you say, but I can't do that. Uh, for David, he couldn't do it because he had sinned against God and God wasn't going to let him. But... Whatever it is that, 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 that may be a reason for you not doing what God says, the fact is, if God asks you to do it, then just believe Him. Trust Him. Believe that He's going to do through you the dream that He plants in your heart. Um, because I believe that, that makes 2013 a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. I am excited to see what God is going to want me to do. Not what will bring benefit to me in 2013. Not what will pay me in 2013. But what will bless my heart to believe this is what God wants. And I believe that God is going to use it to His glory, to His honor. And He's going to do in His own timing, in His own way, exactly what He wants to do. I'm excited about 2013 when you look at it like that. And I hope you will be too. Because I believe God is still in the tree planting business. I think He wants to plant trees. And I think He wants to plant a lot of them right around here. I, 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 drove, around, I drove around this morning before church and looking at, the, at this, this whole area. God wants to do that. And if He says that to you, if He puts something in your heart, then just surrender to that and let him do it. Let him do it. 
and you will be blessed. You may not sit under the shade of that tree, but you will be blessed because of your obedience to God. Let me pray for you. Lord, you've given us the example. A great man who did a great job. A very powerful man, a very a leader who did great things for the people of God. And someone who even did things you asked him not, told him not to do. But yet you put in his heart a dream that there'd be the house where God would be worshipped. And he committed to it. And he planted that tree. He never enjoyed any of the fruits of it. He never saw a stone turn or a building built. He never saw that. But he believed in his heart that God would do it. And through his son Solomon it happened. And people were blessed. And God was honored with a beautiful house where he could be worshipped. With gold and silver and precious jewels adorning this place of worship. Because a man was satisfied to let his greatness be doing exactly what God asked him to do. And Lord, you know every, every person in this room. You know what you want of them. And Lord, I pray that all of us will respond by saying yes to your desire, your will, your dream that you place in our hearts. Help us to do it because it will bring praise and honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.